You're listening to the Ecological Podcast, all about our positive partnerships with horses and other animals through work and play. Your hosts are Rebecca Bayliss from Little Green Stables and Kate Blackmore from Ecological Positive Partnerships. Hello. Welcome to uh, another episode of Ecological, our podcast that's listened to by thousands and everyone talks about it. Um, today we have um, a lovely guest with us. We've got the fabulous Kate Thornton from IEP. Um, so let's introduce Kate. Let's find out all about what Kate's doing. Let's find out all about IEP. So Kate, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to see you both again. Good. Good. And we're recording this over Zoom, so hopefully um, the recording will go okay, fingers crossed, and the podcast will be out this weekend, because we're recording Excellent. it on a Thursday morning. So, Kate, tell us all about you and all about IEP. Okay, um, thank you. So, uh, yeah, my kind of life with horses started very, very young, probably a very common story, but um, my auntie had horses and I was knee high to a grasshopper at the time and I just from that very moment just found my home and uh, it's always been the same since um, so grew up with them worked with them blah 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 and got to my 20s and then uh, just life meant that I had to take a different route workwise and got involved in corporate stuff which wasn't really my theme but it's money <laughs> um, had a couple of horses of my own and um and then yeah just got really caught up in the corporate world and wasn't at home much so had to had to end the horse thing there um and then uh had quite a um uh let's say a, an intense back problem arose in my late 20s uh, which forced me to give up work and I thought well I'm not just going to sit here because that's just I can't do that so I decided to re-educate myself and go back to animals and so I took I've now done a couple of qualifications in canine behavior management so applied animal behavior and uh, but as I was doing it I thought oh hang on a minute the reason I chose dogs was because I didn't think I'd ever be fit enough to go back to work with horses but as the years have gone by, I have got fitter, which is fantastic. And I'm so happy about that. But it does mean that uh, I, I just like pining to be with the horses again. Um, so through various connections and discussions, uh, I was offered the role of running IEP. And IEP is uh, an organisation which is founded by Brigitte Barton. And uh, I love, can I just say about yeah. his name because I think she feels like a film star, isn't it? I know, isn't it? Yeah, like Bridget Bardo and Brigitte yeah. Martin starring in. <laughs> yeah, I know she is. And, and well, if you hear her talk, you can just listen to her for hours. Such a lovely sort of German accent. It's a lovely accent. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she's a great woman. She's she's an ambassador for all types of animals. And she began an organization called ISAP which is the International Society for Animal Professionals um, back in 2009. Uh, and that was something that was asked of her by one of the main um, education providers in applied animal behavior, as we need something, a group where people can go, students and professionals, like-minded with this uh, 
uh, welfare, ethical, science-based ethos um, to share knowledge and have a support network. And that's what we need. So she set this up and it went mad. Thousands of members just joined, joined, joined. And, and it is a fantastic network. Um, but she thought, right, we need to separate this out now so that we've got different species. So she first did uh, the canine one, International Canine Behaviorists, and that's now huge as well. Um, and it's a, a recognized mark for uh, those working in the canine industry. Uh, so then came the cats, International Feline Behaviorists, and then she said, we need one for horses. So I was so pleased. But uh, yeah, so the main difference with the horses or the equines, I should say, because it's not just horses, is uh, the name, as the name suggests, it's not just for behaviorists and trainers, although it is obviously encompassing that a lot, but it's all types of profession in the equine industry because there are so, so many, as we know. Uh, and I think that it's often perhaps organizations to do with welfare may be set up around the behavior industry more predominantly than other industries. So perhaps each one has their own specific one, but we wanted to just bring everybody together. So um, the farriers, the riding instructors, the massage therapists, everybody in the equine industry, students and professionals. So that there's a, a again, a network and um, an opportunity to pull knowledge, I think, because if you've got um, specialists in one area and another, and maybe we don't know so much about the other area, uh, we can just pull that knowledge and it makes it better for the animals. That And that's, there's no competition involved. We're not in competition with other organizations or with each other. We just, just want to help the animals. So. That was quite long-winded, but that's who we are. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Do you know what? I really love that. And, you know, I'm always thinking about the kids, obviously, about oh. behaviour and stuff. And the other day, I have um, one of our kids is moving on to college and then thinking about what they're going to do um, after that. And I said, OK, let's sit down and look at all the different types of things you can do, like to do with being um with equines because it's yeah. not just your you know you go be a groom and you do this and it's very like kind of you go and race or whatever there's like all these really really cool professions that you could do um but we went we tried to look and I was like googling it and like nothing was coming up and I was like this is all right. like we need one place where you can see all these different possibilities and have all these different opinions. I mean, I think it's just fantastic. I mean, obviously me and me and Becky are members. Yes, indeed. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a cool little, cause so far, let's just, cause we have got some cool members. We've got old, Je old Jesse Sams. We have got. Don't mind me saying old oh, Jesse Sams. I'm no, sure. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, not old, but we love Jesse. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jesse, and we've got obviously working closely with Jess a lot of the time at Emily Keeson. Yeah. Uh, and actually, what who we've got at the moment, just I hope I don't bore you here, but just to go through the kind of a, a core team that we've got at the moment, it does spread across the industry quite well. So we've got Jesse, who's obviously um, very focused on trauma informed care, um, and Emily working with her. So, ethology, the relationship between equine and human, a lot of science there with the two of those. Um, Rachel Dresma, and I'm trying to say her name right because I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, and her work with scent work and olfaction is extensive and also with body language, as you know. Um, she's got two books out at the moment, so she's doing really well for that. Um, 
Maria Score, we've got, she's a wonderful saddler. Um, and all these people, obviously, 100% focused on the whole horse and the welfare of the horse. It's, that, that's what all these people are about, obviously. Um, Anne Firestone was one of our original members and she runs uh, Save Your Ass, Long Ear Rescue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's there. Um, and we have Angela Hall, who runs EMA or founded EMA at Quine Massage Academy out in Yorkshire. And so she's obviously a therapist, highly qualified, um, like yourself, Becky. Uh, so we've got two with you guys, the physical side there, Dorothy Heffernan. So another behavior, positive reinforcement focused. Uh, Tara, she's another, another equine massage therapist. Melanie Watson, so kind of rehabilitation and, and positive reinforcement training. And our patron is Ben Hart. So what a fabulous group. It's a good team, isn't it? <laughs> That'd be an interesting night out, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it just? Goodness me. Could you <laughs> that would be good we may have to look into that oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we can use that to get people to join <laughs> oh yeah that's you right yeah <laughs> we'll run an interview in a bar somewhere in the middle of the country so everybody can come yeah that's fantastic so how long ago was it that because you've been kind of work, chipping away at the IEP haven't you but you've obviously had your studies and you also have Flo your yes. dog and yeah. you have a cat as well. I cat, yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah. the cat's name. That's Lucy, so. yeah. <laughs> because Flo's a collie like Dottie. So we've spent yeah. plenty of times talking about them. Uh -huh. But so you've been kind of plugging this away, but now you're kind of really going for it now, aren't you? You're really kind of, you've, you've been doing all the background work and now you're going for the, okay, we're here. Let's, yeah. let's get yeah. this going. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, last year was a bit difficult because I came to the kind of end part of my, uh, qualification and it was case studies so I had my head deep in the books and, and doing that so uh, yeah it was a case of chipping a little bit as you say um, but now no I really want to increase exposure now sorry you're going to say something sorry and, and how have you found it because you like most of us you know you you kind of you learned one way when you were younger you did it one way and then you came mm. back and you started looking at different ways to do it obviously first with dogs and now with horses but can you because Kate and I talk quite a lot so Kate you know I know you live in a very small village don't you mm -hmm. and it can <laughs> sometimes be is a very rural village isn't it, it and is. sometimes bless you you're you're the one going around they all think you're you're slightly the hippie kind of you know you experience snowflake I think is probably what I'm called yeah, yeah, yeah behind closed doors yeah. yeah no that's a good point it's a good point and I as soon as I was fit enough I thought uh, which was after my spinal surgery when I started to realize that that had helped me I thought right let me get back into into horses straight away I was just desperate to do it so yeah there are some people in this area who have horses obviously and one by one I've gone and said, just let me come, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll help you out or just, you know, anything just so that I can be near them. And uh, so I have one by one <laughs> and uh, one by one, I don't get called back because, <laughs> I, <laughs> because I find myself um, 
uh, mucking out a stable and then uh, the owner comes back and looks really surprised and it becomes evident that they mucked it out before they left. But when I turned up, I thought, cool, that looks like us in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I do it and I get I get all the mouldy straw out and, you know, I, I do a job. Uh, but then I get an eye and I think, oh, God, right, OK. Um, and I, I have stood by and I've watched what I used to accept as a young adult and a child in, as you say, the traditional equine world, you just, you just accept it when you grow up with it, don't you? Just, yes, you yank on the horse's mouth if it's not going in the direction that you want. Yes, you smack the horse when they refuse to move, even if they're in pain or they've got an issue or they're scared, um, all this stuff. And it's, I kind of went back into it because I then had the knowledge about how the dog world has changed I went back in thinking, oh, I bet, you know, perhaps we've moved forward in the horse world as well. And I was gutted because it's just the same. Not everywhere, clearly. There are pockets of people doing fantastic work like yourselves. But uh, on the whole, uh, we are still treating horses and ponies, donkeys and mules uh, as if they're machines and as if they don't have a say in you know, what they do on a minute-to-minute -minute basis, who they live with, where they live, when they come in, when they go out, what they, you know, it's all very, very contrived. And uh, yeah, they must do, they must fit in with our agenda. Uh, mm. And I think obviously a lot of people who have horses want to ride. And I get that because I love riding so much. Um, but it does matter how the horse feels about this, you know, about any activity that they're asked to do. And I just, it, it actually gets me down when I think about it too much, which is, but it, but it is the way. So I've, yeah, I've uh, encouraged things like enrichment. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do uh, yeah, my phone doesn't ring again. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, Do you um, find it hard to, because like when I go, even if it's people I know, I find it really, really difficult not to like, shall I just get in about, you know, maybe not stabling them the whole time or something like always yeah. like feel like I have to can I just get something in there shed like just a tiny bit of light in there or something usually it falls on deaf ears mm -hmm. but yeah it just because you know you because you've got the knowledge it's very hard not to tell people about that knowledge <laughs> go hey if you yeah. it this way and stuff but it's you know, really hard in those smaller rural communities as well which we're in but luckily we we're luckily surrounded by a lot of like-minded people in our area yeah yeah um, i noticed that like a, a little group which is fantastic yeah. yeah um but in those you know in more rural areas in it is you know you've got far you've got everything going on around so it's still very steeped in tradition and the same with their dogs right so working dogs yeah, yeah. What's your opinion on working dogs, actually? Let's go. I just want to ask that. Yeah. Um, my only because um, someone was saying to me the other day how they might get a dog and they are upset because it's a working dog. Mm -hmm. It's a working collie, mm -hmm. uh, but it sleeps outside. Mm -hmm. And she's saying when it comes to live with us, I don't want it to sleep outside. It's got to sleep inside. And I was wow. like, how old is the dog? Like three. Okay. So I... I what about that one? Okay. What do you think is better? What yeah. are you two or? I think at three years old, when the dog has been outside and has it been working? Yeah. 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 
yeah they yeah, have I, to move now so right. they're finding a new home for the dog okay right I see uh, I think it's a difficult one because these dogs are still, uh, especially if you get it from working lines, they're still very driven to work, as you know, probably with Joshi. And uh, I think if you're going to take on a dog of this type of breed, then there either needs to be an outlet for that work ethos that they have, um, not necessarily running miles uh, in fact. In fact, I would say more on the mental side than on the physical side. Mm. Um, appropriate outlets so they feel like that need has been filled. Otherwise, they do um, develop or can develop behavioural issues, um, stereotypes, you know, compulsive behaviours, just things as well, maybe hyperactivity where uh, they're just constantly on the go and, and wanting to do things. And again, that doesn't often fit in with how we want our family dog to be and mm. so they are I think working dogs you know all types of working dogs there are they are for a type of home and I think it's a big consideration but I having had that dog live outside it's I'm guessing the dog's been living outside with other dogs not on his or her yeah, own itself. And to be honest, okay. yeah, so that's how my ex-husband used to keep his dog yeah. as well, like by the yeah. dogs outside. I would bet the dog's pretty happy with it. That's mm -hmm. how, he, I don't, sorry, I don't know if it's a guy. that's how he's grown up and what he's used to. And they are still, um, they're uh, double-coated dogs, so they're used to being able to deal with the cold, mm -hmm. in fact, more than the heat. Uh, it would take some acclimatization to bring the, the dog inside and have him get used to life inside a house because there's so much stimulation inside a house, mm. as you know. So there'd be a lot for that dog to get used to because, um, yeah, sleep is as important as the activity, I think, as well as just undisturbed sleep. So it's, I think it, it's one where it's a bit dependent, but... Mm. I think I think, I think maybe. maybe the answer is to provide choice. So you could have a dog flap, yeah. so the dog could come inside and have a utility area or something. So sort of like a midway thing. But if you're providing choice, yeah. then yeah. then because <clears throat> I think I agree with Kate. I think the dog will probably prefer to be outside because that's what they're used to. And um, we used to have before our dogs now. We had a Great Dane and a Doberman, and they lived outside. They wow. wanted to. I mean, they had their own. I say they lived outside. They had their own hut. It had carpet, heating, and Aww. sofa. But nice. they chose to live out there. They yeah. didn't want to be in the house. They chose yeah. to live out there. They had yeah. the yard area. They could come and go when they wanted to. So I think um, it's interesting that you say it, Kate, because you, you immediately want that dog to come inside to be with yeah. the family. And then whilst we were, yeah, whilst you were talking about it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm doing what I tell horse people. Yeah. Not do, people not to do yeah. Absolutely. No, it is. Absolutely. Definitely. I think you are right, Becky, with the choice thing. That it, it really that would be the ideal situation if the dog had the choice. But because it perhaps would decide, oh, I quite like it in here. It's, it's entertaining. I get nice fuss. Depends on the individual. But speaking of this, I think it's a, a good topic because we hear a lot about anthropology anthropomorphizing which I never can say so I'll break it out everyone has a problem everyone has <laughs> so I think that there's two ways to do that this is my personal opinion um so 
I'm open to correction on it, obviously. But I think that uh, we do need to be careful with things like that. So uh, a horse, from an ethological perspective, is more suited to being outside, uh, constantly moving and grazing and foraging with a herd or at least a companion. But we see horses in the field and it's sleeting or something. it's horrible, horrible weather. And as a human, your reaction is, oh, go and put blankets or take them in and get them out of that horrible weather. And the same with this dog that you're talking about. Our human perception is, because this is how we feel, come in the warm, come and get cosy. So I think that is dangerous. But on the other hand, I think that anthropomorphizing is also a good thing when we are considering that actually, yes, these animals do experience the same feelings as us. So I don't see any harm in saying um, she's feeling lonely, she's feeling pain, uh, she's upset, she's scared, blah, 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 whole range of emotions. Um, so I don't think we should necessarily close the door on uh, making similarities, drawing similarities between us and the animals. It's just different ways, I guess. Just Do you know what? I absolutely agree. It's really difficult because when I was first studying um, and it was like, oh my God, with anthropomorphism, no, no, we must not say these things. But actually, how do you explain how a horse is feeling if you can't um, use those kind of words? But we just have to be really careful about those words. So things like stubborn, naughty, all that kind absolutely, of stuff yeah. is like not helpful, is it? No. But Staying very close. But that's that's labelling. That's not recognising emotions. And I think the important thing is to not label, but to recognise the emotion. Mm -hmm. yeah. When we recognise the, the emotion, then we can take away the label, can't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the label hides the emotion. The yes. label. So he's stubborn. Yeah. That's hiding the emotion. Or he's aggressive. That's hiding the emotion. But as, if we say you know, the emotion, then we, we, we don't, we can't label as mm -hmm. much, I think. Mm -hmm. But I yeah. think, I mean, you know, going back to um, what you were saying, Kate Thornton, I, <laughs> I know, yeah, I was like, about, yeah. um, about um, you know, feeling a little bit downhearted with the traditional world. It is changing, but it's, it, it's a hard slog. And I work with the traditional world all day, every day, as yeah. you will do with your therapies yes. that you do. And we, we still have to be out there doing it for the horse and we have to feed little seeds of information because we don't want to preach and we can become, no. we can become, especially because we want, we want the best for our animals. We, and we, we, we work so hard ourselves to eat, breathe, sleep, repeat, um, welfare and enrichment and choice and, freedom and degrees of freedom you know so we can go into choice and control and then you can go well okay there's choice and but what degrees of choice have you got you know so there's a whole spectrum mm -hmm. led on to that but I think as long as we're planting seeds and helping I think we can't tell people anything we have to hope that they start to question themselves because as soon as we start going in there and telling them we shut them down so mm -hmm. we can try yeah. and I've done that and I know Kate Blackmore's done it so yeah, I'm sure it, yeah. we're all guilty of it but we just need to plant the seeds and ask people why they think that that's the reason and, and unfortunately a lot of people we know they treat their horses as machines 
um, they're in it for themselves and 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 that's hard for them to recognize that too especially when they're paying I don't know five six seven hundred pounds a month on livery they've just yeah. bought a three grand saddle they've got a 20 grand lorry and somebody says but this is all about you and your ego and your control yeah. and you know that's so hard yeah. to hear but I don't um, but I don't like I'm I'm really aware of that. So what I'm really careful at is I think about whoever I'm talking, it depends who I'm talking to, but I'll think about, okay, are they financially driven? Are they um, motivated by how they look or whatever, you know? And then also kind of, because this isn't just about, unfortunately it's not enough to say we're just doing this because we, it's nice for the horses and it's for their well-being and stuff like that isn't actually enough for a lot of people because they've invested this money in their horse and they need you know their horse to perform but actually this all has an amazing effect on performance and well-being mm, yes. and kind of like trying to sell that point to it yeah. as well and I think that that can um really helps so you know having your horses moving around more means that you know um they they often don't get as like with our horses our vet spills are a lot lower because our horses are moving all the time so we're not getting those kind of problems that we were having in the stable like mm -hmm. you know when they're so they were able to um dissipate stress as well so any effect that stress had on performance so it, it really there is like a financial element to it there is like a it's not just a Oh yeah, you know, because it's nice to do that for your horse. Because a lot of people just don't care, do they? No, no, no. Fortunately, no. I think I, I also think... a lot of people are space restricted. You, Kate Blackmore, you're very lucky with Conquest. You've got massive of area. Yeah, your livery, your livery places. They're in thick mud this time of year, so <laughs> turnout, turnout for them is kind of non-existent. So yes. getting that horse moving potentially is dangerous in the thick mud you know and then if they're turned out together so you have those constrictions so actually we need to we need to look at how we manage those livery yards so it's about talking to the the owners of the livery yards and saying right okay how can we get your maximum number of horses in so you get your money but how are we going to provide them the best welfare and keep them moving to keep mm. to keep your customers happy the, the you know the, the the people that are bringing their horses to you that's a really hard ask mm. it I is mean, but there is are it. compromises as well that can be made yeah like enrichment wise and you know you can create space you can use arenas and stuff like that but especially when it's rainy days and it's horrible like this um but no I agree it is it almost like needs someone to come up with a business plan showing the financial benefits of keeping your horses like this, like a real business person to go out and sell this to, to livery yards and say, hey, there, there's a cheaper way to do this. But yeah. actually, I'd be really interested in getting a couple of the, um, there's, you know, obviously there's loads of track systems around now. And I'd love to, you know, I know that they experience a lot of difficulty with customers and clients as well, not not quite wanting their horse to be in with the rest of the herd and you know having that so it'd be quite interesting to talk to someone about that because it isn't all plain so you don't just build a track and then it's all just like yeah we'll just let our horses you know go no. there's also you know difficulties with that as well isn't there yeah masses I went to a yard this week and that was on a track system and um <clears throat> the track system looked amazing but the horses didn't didn't well I just it was an interesting because it 
it ticked all the boxes, but I, I left thinking, I'm not sure those horses are thriving in that system. Mm -hmm. And it was a really right. interesting because it was a, it was a track system. It was, they had hard standing, they had shelter, they had ad-lib hay, but I didn't feel, it didn't feel right. And um, it, it was an interesting take home. I thought the lady's really trying, but she's still not got it right. And I can't work out what she's still not got right, because, but it's still not there. And um, that that made me um, um, that mess with my mind a little bit because it, like you say, we all think the track system and da 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 this and that, and I, and it, it wasn't right. And I I don't I can't quite put my finger on it because I need to learn more about it. But it didn't the horses certainly weren't thriving on the track system. Yeah. But this is what goes back to what you were saying earlier, Kate. You know, um, when I the very very first like couple of months that I learned about behaving like Spring New World I was like oh my god all horses like this and it's very easy to make these sweeping statements of like yeah. it's through ecological studies we know this but actually horses are very individual aren't they yeah. yes yes we can have these underlying principles which is we can all learn these underlying principles but until you're out there and you're starting to work on those individual cases and then suddenly it's like that doesn't quite fit and that doesn't quite fit there then you really start to realize actually you know it's just like human beings we're all completely unique yes we have these base needs but you know there's a lot of other stuff that comes and I think that um you don't really start understanding that until you actually are practicing and working with horses and, you know, mm. and getting kind of like that hands-on experience, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. And it's um, not a one size fits all. It's that cliche again. Um, but I think if people, if we can spread, like you say, the base knowledge of these uh, principles to work from, and then individuals in a situation where possible, like you said earlier, Becky, provide choice, see what the actual individual prefers or thrives on. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's doing things on textbook is like a dream ideal world. And, and it does seem very easy and logical uh, to do these things, but um, some horses don't like this, some horses don't like that. And maybe it depends on a dietary requirement, a medical issue. And yeah, even, even simple things, like I, I've talked about this before, but I teach about, you know, the horse's needs to the kids and uh, play, play drive and how play is important to all horses. Blah, 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 blah. And I also talk about, you know, when there's um, like storms, really bad weather conditions, horses mm. play because obviously they're, they're they're staying vigilant for predators our horses don't do that though oh my god they all play in a thunderstorm they will play they absolutely love it they will be up and down and it will be windy as hell and everything and I'm like except for it's difficult I teach that but I know I just said that but then just completely ignore what they're doing over there because that's different, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's kind of like yeah a little bit um a little bit difficult sometimes to go yeah that's just completely gone through my theory you know that yeah yeah so yeah that, yeah that reminds me talking about um individual preferences of uh, a horse we used to have Kimber her name was and she just had an aversion to jumping she she was medically sound in other words very, very well checked but she just 
didn't enjoy jumping. Um, so that was her choice. And I think that we automatically expect, or some people do, um, get a horse, what do you want to do? What's your favorite discipline? Well, I definitely want to jump. I definitely want to jump. This is my horse. We are going to jump. Um, and not always asking, do you, do you like jumping? Is that, the, and some, you know, you hear people say, well, do, yeah, horses jump naturally. They jump, they'll jump out the paddocks. We have horses jumping out the paddocks all the time. And some do, I know some do, but some don't particularly like it. It's, again, it's not a sweeping thing, is it? But it is that whole idea of like, we also, we ask so much of horses, we, we not just ask them to kind of deal with domestication and we know like on an evolutionary scale, that's a very, very short amount of time, but also we ask them to regionalize themselves and then be okay for certain disciplines and this and that. I mean, it's massive, massive mm -hmm. demands we put on them. And I think we forget just, I, I just did an Equischolars two day camp. And honestly, afterward, it was so lovely. I had um, a couple of girls that have their own horses and I was a little bit like, Ooh, you know, I explained to the mums, this is ground-based, there's no horse riding, this is about senses, this is effects on behaviour, all that kind of stuff. And they, one girl, one of the girls who show jumps her horse, when we were doing blind spots, she was like, I feel so sorry for my horse. And I was like, yes. Oh, you yes. Yes. Went, yes. Why is that? And she was like, I've just realised like how much they have to do for us and how it's quite difficult and blah, blah. And I was just like, oh my God amazing this is and it, it just yeah it's it was so lovely at the end to hear like you know all these kids talking about this stuff that they've learned about horses and how great they are and having this new respect for them it's just you know fantastic and that's what you know we really should be doing with the next generation absolutely yes if, yeah. if oh. we think about if we think about let's take the happy hacker for example and we break the happy hacker down so i just want my horse to be a happy hacker yeah so that happy hacker basically has to be good in traffic so that's yep. a huge ask yeah i'd like to take my happy hacker and go all over the place so that happy hacker's now got to be able to load whether it's in a trailer or a box yeah or a lorry so that's that's a massive task in itself then it's got to go to a place it doesn't know. You're going to then get on its back and ride it. So it's not going to have you on the ground leading, showing the way. So and it's going to go to these new areas. Then it might go on a fun ride. So then it's got to learn whether it's got to go in front or behind. It's got to be able to stop when you want it to stop. You might want to jump a log on the way. So that happy hacker's world is actually huge, yeah? Mm -hmm. But we yeah. just want that happy hacker. Then we take the show jumper. I just want a show jumper. I'm not interested in any other discipline. I just want a show jump. So that show jump has got a load in a lorry or a trailer every time it goes anywhere. It's got to go to new venues, new environments every time it goes somewhere. See other horses, might see aversive treatment of other horses, might have aversive treatment done to itself, might have to jump a course that it doesn't understand where it's supposed to be going. You know, where is the... So, and, and that's what I mean by, I just want to do dressage. I mm -hmm. just want to do this. It's, it's not just that one thing you're asking that horse massive huge task and and if we break it all down and I think I have lots of um clients who just do one discipline or they most of them to be fair want to do a bit of everything and this is where the choice things comes in and I uh, choice is a really difficult word because where sometimes we think well if we provide two choices that's enough and I'm not sure that that is I think we should be really looking at degrees of choice 
rights and degrees of freedom. So if you are hacking, then I might say to the, my client, oh, do you ever let your horse choose the way? That might just be the small thing. Yeah. You know, if you've got time on your hands, maybe just go to that path where you could go left or right. And just, you know, if you haven't got to get back, let's just see where your horse goes. Mm -hmm. Just have a, have, a, have a little explore. If you've got a show jumper, you know, maybe at the end, just say, if, and they really like jumping. And I agree with Kate Thornton, some horses do like jumping, some horses don't. Um, and the ones that do, or it, maybe just say, can I just jump whatever course I want, whatever the horse wants to jump, you know, let's play with it. You know, that is quite hard. Mm. But I think we don't, we don't allow that when, when, and we look at the disciplines and again, if you think of that word discipline, I mean, that's mm -hmm. awful yeah. in itself, yeah. isn't it? Look at the yeah. disciplines. What's your discipline? You know, yeah. I've had people say that to me all the time and it's like, you know, okay. What do you say? What do you say, Becky? Well, I don't actually. Normally people say, what do you do with them? That's what normally <laughs> well. And I just, to go, I go back and I go, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of my clients know me now as a little bit odd and a little bit different and the one that does that click and feeling thing but however when things go tits up for them they will ask me for help which is great mm. so you know yeah. I've had that recently with the horse with needle phobia you know the, the vet said to her if your horse gets poorly to the point where we need to inject it it will be a bullet because we cannot inject this horse because mm. it is dangerous so she came to me and said, what, what, how do I, what do I do? Run so good. And I'm like, I passed it on to Trudy, <laughs> but because but, um, I'm not a behaviorist, you know, but, um, and, it, and, and this is serious stuff. This is, you know, serious stuff. You can't vaccinate, can't get a needle near it. It's yeah. rearing at best. It, you're really, really dangerous behavior. So it needs sorting, it needs sorting. It needs to be considered really important, which it is being considered really important now mm. but um yeah I think we can we can look at the disciplines that we do with um our horses and help those people to to empower the horses a little bit even if they are using flashes even if they are using spurs even if they are because this is that that is the reality we don't like it we don't have to do it but we are a part of that world and mm -hmm. we're going to help move forward then just by saying, you know what, if you've got no pressure, give your horse some choices and see what happens and listen to the answer. Yeah. And I think that that is, um, that's enlightening really. And I think most, most people can do that when they've got time on their hands mm. and no mm. pressure to perform. I think this is one of the things that, um, one of the examples is to, when we're working with people who have animals, is to remember that basically we we are animals too. Uh, the learning theory applies to us as well. The emotional experience applies to us as well. Uh, and I find that hard because I'm not particularly a people person. I I yeah, I'd go in the back somewhere and just deal with animals. But um, yeah. So what you were saying a minute ago, even if they still use the spurs, if they're doing this element, this one thing, and it's it is rewarding this small successive approximations towards what we're ultimately wanting which is that they drop all the uh, uh i was going to swear then all the, <laughs> all the and the whips and all those things but um yeah i, I think 
that is what and it's takes practice i think to do that and i like you said earlier i think we've all fallen foul there um i think we have and i think we're all we're all at a place where we want our animals to show up willing yes. so we want them to go yeah i'm ready for whatever we're gonna do let's yeah. crack on with this you know game or this training or whatever you want to talk call it let you know i'm here i'm a willing participant that's what that's what you're looking for that's what i'm looking for that's what kate's looking for we want a scent but so many of our horses they just give consent they just okay yes. i'm signing away i'm signing away my right because it's gonna happen anyway yeah. and i think that that's the big difference so what we what we need to do is 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 change the mindset of a human being and say you know do you want your animal just to do it because they are consenting that's just what they do or do you want them to show up ready to learn do you want them to show up ready for that activity do you want them to show up going yeah I've got this we cracked this last time I can do it you know because that's um that's surely much more fun <laughs> for us you know so having yeah. having that animal show up willing is 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 much more fun than having that animal doing it just because they know they've got to because that's there is no other other choice ultimately yeah. you could also argue that it's more productive because you're mm. working with a much lower you know without stress hopefully so it's going to be a much more like not just a positive positive experience but also you know that kind of um <clears throat> all those muscles are going to be relaxed and you know they're going to be able to be in the right brain which I'm obviously not this morning the right brain <laughs> someone help me <laughs> the right brain you know what I mean in the not in stress we're leaving you hanging Go. <laughs> help me <laughs> yeah it Damn, is it, I've been with kids for two days screaming <laughs> is that what it is Kate yeah okay <laughs> no, <that's it. laughs> you know what I mean everyone knows what I, I mean, do right? I do and I've I've not got that excuse for when I'm stuck for words I think I know what you mean and I think sometimes uh, with people that um, have particular agendas with their horses, the art of speculating to accumulate is uh, going back to what you were saying earlier about pointing out the financial benefits and uh, the long term benefits. And it, it's not just I was thinking about this the other day where I, I guess some of the criticism that came to those of us who criticized Mark Todd uh, and I have to say I probably said the wrong thing there but I it really yeah got me um what was I saying yeah so I was just thinking about some of those criticisms and um how people were saying that um I've totally lost my thread here right. what was I think because I was thinking about so much recently <laughs> Because you, you can leave me hanging you out. Let me think about something going. interesting because we were talking about that, and you said there was an analysis done. Someone did a video and an analysis of that horse going up to the water, and that there was some lameness there. Was that you? I was talking to you about that. Okay. Yeah. I um. So we were talking about this whole the full length video in um where I'm studying basically, but, um, and uh, there were some full qualified and very experienced um massage therapists who said 
there is something not sound with that horse um, and without being able to, to see the horse and feel and, and stuff, hard to say, but yes, I think uh, there, were, there were question marks there, it wasn't. But on the other hand, uh, and this is the, the other thing we said, even if the horse is completely sound and healthy, that individual horse at that moment in time had an issue with what was being asked of, of the horse. And to me, it, there is no like, well, that's okay because he was in pain. We can understand that. Whatever it was, a reflection on the water maybe, you, you just don't know. I don't know how many times the horse had been through the water. But uh, yeah, there, there are other ways to deal with it. But I was quite uh, disappointed really with the some of the quite uh, top names in eventing still saying, but that is how we train, train horses. That's how it's done. There isn't another way, that's how we do it. Mm. Um, and yeah, that gets the quickest result because yes, the horse went through and probably next time will as well because there is that conditioned fear there now. If I don't, I'm gonna get thwacked on the bum. Yeah. So, but I don't know, it's... Um, it was quite amazing, the responses to that. There was like, there were so many people not pro what happened, but you know, mm. justifying it, justifying it, justifying it. And it was quite mm. sad, mm. really. I think Did that's the word. Many people doing that. Yeah, I think that's the word. And actually one comment I had was, can we stop thinking about the horse for a change and think about the human? And that really took my breath away. I thought, wow, yeah. is that what we've been thinking about all these hundreds of years? The well, because there, there was also the argument, you know, with the footballer with the cat, you know, yes, all yes, yes. the trouble that he's got in over that. And, yeah. you know, but actually we are watching abuse of horses all, all the time. The time. Like, it's in all plain sight, but we've been conditioned to think that it's okay. It's, it's a bit like, um, so my uh, daughter-in-law, uh, the other night was talking to me and she's only 12 years old. Daughter-in-law? Yeah. No, my stepdaughter. No, stepdaughter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Isaac my suddenly got a hold in <laughs> My stepdaughter is 12 years old. Right. <laughs> and she, um, she is talking about wearing high heels. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's really excited about wearing high heels. Yeah. Older, but I can't accept that. So I sit down and go, do you want to wear high heels? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I really want to. She's just a 12-year-old girl that wants yeah, to wear high yeah, heels. Yeah. But I go in on the whole, you shouldn't feel like you have to wear high heels. If you don't wear high heels, it doesn't mean you're not a woman. You can be whoever you want to be. If you want to wear them, you own it. If you don't, you don't. And, you know, you stand up and you be that individual and be yourself. And it is that kind of... Um, she's conditioned I don't want yeah. her to be conditioned to think I'm a woman and therefore I wear high heels and it's yes. a bit like this is a horse therefore we hit them yes you yes. know it's like yeah. something we've grown we've just been told to accept and it's like yeah. at what point I know. it's appalling yeah at what point is someone gonna go hang on a minute this is a bit wrong well, I mean, lots of people are doing it now, which is great. She's starting to are. question all the information that they're being fed all the time and through magazines. So the um, horse industry is like the biggest uh, magazine subscription industry out of like 
I don't know, other industries. I remember looking this up, like so massive. We still love our horse and rider magazines and stuff yeah. and them all the time. But look at that. I mean, you look at those and it's like, okay, so we're conditioned also to feel like we do this on Equiscolors actually. We look at magazines. We go, how do you think this horse feels? You know, and it's like strapped yeah. down, foaming at the mouth and stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah, really yeah. interesting because you do it at the beginning and then you do it at the end of the course yeah. and the answers are so different. And then, you think, yes, okay, so they're going to start questioning this. This is good. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's, it's really damaging. And yeah. I almost feel like I wanted to speak to the people that um, manage those big billboards in the town centres and by the roundabouts and stuff. And maybe a series of them. So on popular routes, so you'd have the first one some and this is going to sound graphic but this is what where we're at the first one can be somebody hitting a cat mm -hmm. the second one can be somebody kicking a dog mm -hmm. the third one can be somebody um tying string around a rabbit's neck you know horrific stuff and then the last one can be somebody doing what people do every single day a billion fold to horses whether it be jabbing in the ribs or putting something horrific in the mouth and, and jarring or smacking, whatever. But the message is, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Ugh. It's not okay. Why do we accept this? And I think maybe some kind of subliminal thing um, mm. so that the industry or not the whole industry, again, there are some wonderful people, but so that the horse world starts to get a bit more pressure to reform really um because it's just just continuing on and i think saying that you know i think you've hit the nail on the head kate with what you're doing because we do need to educate this uh upcoming generation i think that's where the biggest change is going to happen because adults that are out there now perhaps if they're thinking about well maybe there's a better way for the horse to do this then there's resources there that they can go and find out uh, and there are others who are just shut to it so um the next generation and beyond is so crucial i think it just takes a lot of time for change a yeah. lot of time for individuals to change you see people at livery yards they know they don't fit in they're trying to make a difference but it's hard for them yeah. because they're surrounded by that community um, you'll get ones that that leave because they don't fit in and they try and they find other places but I think we are changing we are getting there it is very small and I think you're right Kate is on a a mission to you know use the the the, the youngsters to yeah. bring them up and say you know animal welfare because you know I was thinking about it we're all we're well not not all of us but us here today, we, we, we are animal welfare trainers and therapists. That, that's our role. You know, yeah. we're not just, Kate's not just a behaviour consultant. You're not just a behaviour consultant, equine sports massage therapist. I'm not just a veterinary physio. You know, we, 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 it's holistic. We're looking at yeah. every yeah. aspect of that animal and the environment that they live in. And we, we sometimes our hands are tied and our tongues are too. And we have to just, you know, plant those seeds and help make the change. Mm -hmm. But in our own world, with our own animals, we're pioneering and pushing and evolving and, and learning and looking at how we can develop. And then we're choosing to share that so that people can tap into that other way. So even if they are on those livery yards and they do feel overwhelmed by the, the not so great side of tradition, 
you know, they can they can do things like the enrichment stuff or at least some of it. You know, they can provide some. They can take their horses for walks rather than rides so that they are getting movement. There are always things we can do. It's about empowering the people to help them change. And it's hard because if it works and you feel you felt good about that in the past because it worked, that's really tough to undo the shit that you know you've done. Yeah. You've got to own it and move on. And that's yeah. really tricky. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And um, you just made me think of um, what I was going to say before. So I wrote it down because that's what I have to do these days. I d- I've got notes. Don't worry. <laughs> um, this is what, yeah, this is what I was thinking about the other day, because I think that um, a lot of people that criticised what happened with Mark Todd, uh, again, labelling happens and um, we are snowflakes and we are soft and I don't know what other um, words are in fashion at the moment, but um, we're soft, basically. And it just made me really analyse the, the comparison between our approach and the traditional approach. And actually, I think it takes a lot more strength of character, a lot more commitment to learn, a lot more empathy, and a lot more hard work to do it our way. It's not the easy way, but it's the best way for horse and human together. And yeah, so it's easier just to smack. I totally agree with you. I think that you know, when we talk about horsemanship and stuff, I don't think it should be based on controlling a horse and being mm. able to do that because I don't see that as horsemanship. No. I think if you're working in partnership with horses, it's a hell of a lot more difficult. There's a hell yeah. of a lot more skill needed. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can put a pair of spurs on, you can put get a whip, you can put a load of tack on, and I can control a horse, you know, that way. Yeah. Okay, yes, though I'm not like some Olympic rider or anything. But do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it, you, you can easily control a horse with tack if you have to yeah there's less skill in that yeah yeah where the skill in like working especially a lot of the work that we do is at liberty isn't it so it really you really it's a whole different way and I think that yeah the skill to be able to do that Mm. is but it's 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 hard to like Becky when you first started training with rum it was very much hand in the bag click blah, 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 blah. and it was all a little bit you know there was a lot to do and you found it quite difficult didn't you and then also you would do and I see this all the time and it's like oh just ask him to back up so you would go straight into back up hands on the horse back up do you know what I mean because every single interaction is like that but slowly what happens is your brain starts you you change it doesn't it and you start thinking so for now for me I wouldn't even contemplate touching a horse to get it to back up anymore like because that's not my go-to it's not my default so it, the more you practice it it just starts to become your default and then everything else just seems a bit weird do you know mm-hmm. what I mean and you do that too Becky you know like before um you know before you were on this journey, uh, trip with rum <laughs> you know you would just go back to well I'll do my bit of training and then I'll just do this and you're like, but hang on, he knows that I don't need, I don't need to touch him. I don't need to have my hands on moving him over or whatever. I think, yeah, I think, um, so I came from a different place anyway, because I wasn't very, very traditional, but I, but I have, I do use bits and I do, I have used a whip and I have kicked on and all of those things, but I wouldn't say 
which is aversive and it's not okay. But I wasn't, I would never really beat my horse. I would never, you know, I'd yeah. get off and walk him, walk him yeah. through yeah. situations. I would say that me and Flanagan, my, oh, he's my, my horse husband, we had a good time together. You know, he, he'd always load, we'd all go off on fun rides and I, I felt that he enjoyed it as well. You know, he, he, we, we, he had my back and I had his, that's how I felt in our relationship. So, so when I um, got rum, you know, it was very different and I wanted to do things the right way. And I kind of went down this route of desensitization, which was quite easy because he was only three. So it was like, get the top out, get, you know, those kinds of things that you kind of do. And then I kind of was chatting to you, Kate, at Conquest and you were telling me all about the clicker training. And I was like, oh, okay, this is how I want to do this. This is so what I want to do. And then, you know, you start off and you like you become very positive reinforcement um, this is that way it is and we only do positive reinforcement and you then realize that you have to take those goggles off because there are other contingencies at play all the time you know everything impacts that behavior um, but we always go in mind with the least aversive you know and trying to train that way and always trying to give um, him so with rum now, we're riding rum. We have to use patterns so that rum understands those patterns. He has a choice whether he joins in or whether he doesn't. And so it, it's evolved. You evolve as a learner, even within that realm, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. it, you know, just like you you do, Kate, with Conquest, you know, you you, you started off with this these fabulous ideas and then those ideas <laughs> evolved. Bigger, the compromises. And, that's, and that's what happens when you... you dive into a, a new way of thinking I suppose way of questioning your thoughts way of you know why, way of exploring and that's what I mean when I went to this track system and I just thought you know what I'm not sure these horses are thriving you, you're nearly there but you've not quite got it there's something missing and I can't I don't know what it is because I'm not an expert in that but it, it's not quite right you know and I think that we can we can try and tick the enrichment box we can try and tick the herd box and all these but we still have got to keep thinking we've still got to keep moving forward we've still got to evolve and um, we've still got to look at the whole thing um, and the whole approach and I, I think that yeah it's it's a huge task for any of us individually and like you were saying Kate we're not the snowflake generation we are actually going we're actually being quite hard on ourselves and saying mm, yeah. I don't want this to be easy for me I want it to be the best it can be for the animal in my care that I am equipped with the information at this time and that yeah. might change to the, yeah. tomorrow next week or in six months time or in 10 years time yeah yeah that's the thing and I think yes I mean being willing to put your a lot of your spare time into this and it's not paid you know well obviously we have our day jobs but it's it's not paid the extra work that we do to try to improve the lives whether it's hands-on or online or whatever it might be it's it's really quite hard and um uh yeah actually I was thinking a minute ago Kate about when you uh played the recording of the call that you had you know what I'm going to say don't you when you did the conference with Jenny Eigner. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. So when you were telling everybody about uh, how you um, kind of opened people's minds at Conquest, 
and forgive me because I forget her name, but um, Gemma. 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 Yeah, okay. Because I found that really interesting because she openly said she was traditionally BHS trained and qualified Mm -hmm. and looked at what you were doing and thought, "Mm, okay, then, Kate, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. But Luckily, you managed to persuade her to be recruited in your kind of longer term goal. And she, her interview, I found that so heartening. And I think that that interview um, could be very useful, actually, because you can tell by what she says that she is. She's from that background. Um, But she also openly says, I was really shocked. And I was I was really quite taken aback by how you got the horse too, or the horse made the choice too, or whatever it was, you know, I can't remember at the time. Um, but I think potentially people might listen to her because she's still somebody that they can relate to. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, she now teaches the Equus Scholars stuff and it was right. funny, they had their, their like assessments uh, for their module one at the end of term and Gemma, somebody asked her about riding and I was in there and she was like she doesn't ride she doesn't ride anymore okay like, Kate ruined that I don't ride anymore like <laughs> she's gone to that extreme where she doesn't feel happy getting on wow board. wow yeah yeah she's just doesn't want to do it what a turnaround I know but I also think she was it she was in the right place at that time and yeah, she did go yeah. and spend like five days on a mountain in the freezing cold you know, uh, at Hannah and um, at Rachel's, you know, out in Spain. And I think, she, yes. you know, the horse that she was working with, she was so good at it. She had like this moment where the yeah. horse and her were together and she just kind of like, that That was the moment that changed yeah. it. Yeah. She was just yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it's, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, because also the thing is, it's not just about, um, her work or being with the horse is actually is a lot more than that and we talk about this at work a lot you know we work in a certain way with our kids we're trauma informed um, so you can't work in the industry that we work in and not learn what you learn and not change the way you do things at home with your own family yeah and that family influence can be so especially if you've grown up with horsey parents and you know, all that, that can be really, really difficult to break your mindset because it isn't just about the horses. It's actually a lifestyle. It is. You go out yeah. to competitions at the weekend. We do this, we do, you know, like it's a busy lifestyle when you've got horses. So sometimes I think people are reluctant because it, it just, suddenly you have to question like everything that you believe mm-hmm. and that you've grown up believing. And, yeah. you know, it's, and you have to be in the right, space to be able to do that or at least have the right support around you for that change exactly yes I think that that is right the support has to be there and um there's something that I I wanted to make clear uh when I did the ICANN interview and also here is that we whilst we have as an organization a code of conduct that's based around welfare um we are very keen if there's anybody who maybe 
is from a traditional background and still doing things in that way, but is teetering on what else is out there. We would love to speak to those people because we are a supportive network and, you know, it will be hard for those people to make the change that they're thinking of making, but still stay in the environment where other people are, are not making that change. And there's still a lot of bullish behavior out there, which is, you know, can, can really influence. I mean, it just, I've seen people that are trying to do this and they, they're scared to go to work. They're scared to leave the house and go down to their horse at the livery yard because they're just anxious all the time. And then obviously that feeds onto that animal. Hmm? It's so common. That's yeah, common. yeah. And well, it's you always meet people like that. But for yeah. them to have a place to go to, wouldn't it be fantastic? Like you could almost have like a group that work through it together and can support each other, even though they're at different, you know, yeah, different yards, yeah. like online and stuff. Because there are little pockets of communities somewhere, but doing it through an organization like IEP means that as well, there's access to lots of professionals, you know? So it's not just this one person that you pay that's telling you that positive reinforcement is the way forward and blah, blah. It's actually a whole variety of people saying, look, have you considered this? Have you considered um, this? It's not quite so... Um, I can't do my words today, guys. I'm sorry. Just I think I think um, we, we do. We, we, it's all right, Kate. Don't worry. We know you're hungover. Let's just say <laughs> the truth will um, out. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> professionals, Kate Thornton, um, yeah. <laughs> people who who want to explore that change, or for people that want to become a member of the international equine professionals, um, and we we know as we heard earlier, you've got some super members um, in your team, including Kate and myself. Absolutely. How can we get hold of you? And um, and yeah, what's your plans for this year? Your the future for IEP. Okay. Um, well, how to get a hold of us um, initially by email is probably the best way, and the email address is internationalequineprofs at gmail.com. Uh, you can have a look at us a bit more without making that um, first step. If you feel more comfortable, the website is www.iepglobal.net. And um, obviously we're on Facebook, which I will have to post in your comments part under your, this podcast, yeah. um, if you don't mind, because well, yeah, I suppose course. I'm not sure what the actual address to tell you is, but I will, I'll post that. But those are our main addresses. I think if people if people put into Facebook International Equine Professionals, you come. We up. will come up. Yes. Yeah. And indeed. and so, what's your what's the aim of of IEP for this year? What's your kind of goals? So as well as increasing the membership, so that we've got a more diverse uh, kind of pool of people to support each other. What I would really like to do is webinars and. Uh, Yes, the kind of subjects that you see other people doing, definitely welcome anybody who wants to talk. Uh, but there are a couple of specific things that I would like to go into. And one of the thoughts is, going back to what we were saying a minute ago, I would like to have a series of webinars held by people who are um, approaching the horse world as we are. And they are professionals and they're out there doing it. Um, talking about how they have managed to do it in the world that is the horse world. How have they overcome adversity? 
how have they managed to um how have they remained confident what have they done what what troubles have they found and what's been easier than they expected because i think that hearing that there are people that are making a success of this um but that still understand the real world would be quite beneficial for those who are making the steps into it either completely new into equine but want to go the positive reinforcement force-free way or people that have come from traditional and want to make that transition either or it doesn't matter but I just think that it might be helpful um that's me anyway that's just I I don't know there's a lot of psychology <laughs> around this but that was my thought one of the things so I don't know what you think about that really like that yeah, it's great I think great I think idea absolutely need to hear more about that those real life stories of like putting things into practice because we can have all the theory and stuff but it's so different when you start involving people yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. do you know what one of our earliest recordings me and kate did was about dealing with adversity do you know what we never published that post we never published that podcast oh, i've still really? got it recorded because we were, we were going, I'm not sure how everyone's going to take this. Yes, it was like Remember a Kay, one. We, sat, we sat, we chatted away and it, oh. it was a really long podcast. We went really deep and we talked about feelings and how people feel. And then at the end, I said, because I'm all, I go, yeah, that's fine. That'd be fine. I don't care what people say. Kate, like next day, I don't think we should do that. I don't think we should put that out. And then we plan to do another one and we never actually got around to doing it. Oh. So it might be worth us having a listen way back. Um, Cause it'd be over yes. a year ago now. See, to see what but how interesting that we didn't, we didn't publish Yes, it. it is interesting. That is, I would like to hear that. We usually <laughs> publish everything and we don't edit things. I mean, you know, yeah. we, just, we just spam everybody with everything. But that was like our second one. I think that was back in the days. We used to get really nervous about doing podcasts. I used to honestly, oh, oh, it took me a while to get used to them. But Becky would be like, no, it's okay. Come on, let's carry on. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we should totally go back and listen to that one because yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Really and that actually... Interesting. I think that um, there's also a comparison in the therapy world because uh, a lot of the trauma-informed stuff now with kids, um, the views of that can be quite different, even though it's based on science and it's based on, you know, all this really fantastic stuff and it works because we do it and it, it we get fantastic results. But people teachers and stuff they're not necessarily into that so when we have kids coming out of school we then have to persuade them why trauma informed is better you know and actually it'd be interesting to see how um the comparisons that jesse has with that because yes. it's, it's the same with anything new isn't it it's kind of and maybe maybe we should be looking at you know what other areas are they introducing really new concepts and how do they do that and what what are the practices we can take from that you know yeah, like yeah. I don't know electric cars yeah well I mean but, I think it's it's interesting we've all seen over the last couple of years how we can change our behavior and our norms and we can rewire our brains and we had to do it none of us used to wear masks in public and 
if you saw somebody, the odd person who might do it, perhaps for a health reason, you'd look and think, oh my God, wearing a mask. Yeah. And now you look at somebody without a mask and you think, oh my God, they're not wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, we've changed very quickly. So I think that um, we are still kind of pliable <laughs> and can learn new things. And like we were saying earlier, just become conditioned to a new way. Um, but uh, I've lost my thread again, what I was going to say about... Um, what did you say, Kate, right before I said that? Don't ask me. Oh, yeah, about looking at how other people have kind of introduced these new concepts and how, uh, they've, yes. kind of, how they've got the buy-in for that. Yes, yes. Um, one example that came straight to mind when you said about that uh, is actually more closer to our area of interest than that is... Um, Andy Hale and the work that he's done with the Beyond the Operant uh, movement, let's say it is a movement and a, and a group of people that he's got on board there is neuroscientists and ethologists and various different professions. And I think that that has been an interesting exercise because talking to Andy, he has found the most resistance from positive reinforcement advocates mm. because we all re-educated from the way we used to do things or not entirely Becky I know um but we all re-educated and learned about learning theory and positive reinforcement and the quadrants and all these things and now somebody's saying actually it's not all about the operant stuff and I think those people and, and I can understand why saying oh wait a minute no this is the right way I've been learning this, this. <laughs> I, I've just learned this I've been to university and learned this and the important message there is that positive reinforcement is not wrong it, it's just one really great way of looking at it and then the beyond the operant way is another way and they can be used together depending on the time, the individual, the situation, whatever. You might get some barks in a second because we've got some tractors outside. Um, but, um, but I found that very interesting because he has had a huge buy-in from people who, this is about dogs in Andy's case, but um, from people who were very traditional with choke chains and... Uh, punishment methods and all of this so I just found that from a psychology point of view which I have no background in as far as humans are concerned just I just found that interesting and it's an important reminder it's really dangerous to think you know everything you've absolutely just it yes. because yes. and I say this to the kids I say I'm teaching you this now this is what we know today yeah. <laughs> but maybe yeah. in a year it might change and something else comes out and it we've got to have that progressive kind of view on everything because yes. it, it we'll get we get stuck and then it becomes hard to change again so yeah absolutely i completely yeah. agree yeah. um so kate yes kate <laughs> can i just tell the little story about what happened the other night before we go if you like, yeah, I don't know if it would be good without the picture, but you can tell it. it <laughs> Let's see, funny. it might just, we might have to cut this bit if it does flop and die. Okay. But um, I have to tell everybody because it just had me laughing so much. And, it was hilarious. And, and it Becky, me, did, but it was. and I didn't tell Becky what the end was of the actual thing. So mm -hmm. Kate um, does these really great graphics for IEP. 
and she you did this graphic and it had like words on didn't it so the words were I've got it here hang on so just before you say it Kate can I just point out that was meant to be um a takeoff from the game Wordle yeah which I didn't know you didn't know that so no. yeah go on so, sorry so she sent me this picture and it says horse equid mules lamer l-a-m-e-r and what and anyway so she sent me this and she was like what do you can you just check like do you get this you know before I post it and stuff and um and you were like it's such a popular thing now everybody understands it and I'm like oh my god what is this concept that I don't know about this is like I was really embarrassed so I was googling l-a-m-e-r acronyms because I thought it was some newfound like positive reinforcement training thing that I've completely been left out on and I was too embarrassed to go I don't know what this is and so I sent it to Becky and she was like well I don't know what the fuck's that I don't know and then suddenly she was like no my friend plays Wordle that's all right it's to do with that so luckily I was able to tell you but honestly it was so you know when you just think I've missed out on something that everybody yeah. knows about there yeah. are no acronyms for training we did try and make one up didn't we for LAMA we did yeah it didn't get very far with that but no it's, it's not a thing <laughs> it was like in my head I was like least versive what's M <laughs> <laughs> very funny very funny but yeah it did it was lucky that you went through that and told me because I think you didn't post it you? Good, I didn't post it no <laughs> you got everyone else going oh my god what's this new concept yeah oh Kate listen thank you so much for coming on um, thank you for having me it was, we will it's link, been fun we will link up to IEP and everything your page but also everybody will see more from us and you know those webinars that are going to happen and stuff and really really excited about this yes thank you and I'm so pleased that you guys are obviously with us on it it's um it's I a great team I think we're going to do some good stuff together oh yeah great absolutely all right thank you both. thank you so much Kate thank you. speak to you soon all right take care if you'd like to make contact with either Kate or myself you can contact us via Facebook, we are Little Green Stables or Ecological Positive Partnerships, or you can check me out, Becky, on my website, www.littlegreenstables.com. We'd really like to make our podcast interactive, so if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss, then that would be great. So send us a message either via our website or via our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube channels. Thanks. Bye-bye.